0: Well, good morning, everyone. All right. Good to see you guys. This morning, we are in our third week uh, of our sermon series entitled Forward, and so we wanted to uh, keep going through the book of Joshua at least a quarter of the way through to kind of just work through it and, and help us to understand what did they go through versus what even today, what we're going through in light of our global pandemic. And so I want to encourage you. Uh, one of the, the important topics here in our lives is we need to keep moving forward. We can't allow what's around us to determine how we're going to react. We have to keep moving forward. Um, as we had started at the beginning of these, of this series, we, we, Talked about in chapter one of the importance of Moses passing the baton off to Joshua as the leader, and God had presented Joshua as that new leader to take millions of people into this promised land that he's given to them and he's promised to them. However, they had to make sure that as they moved forward that they would take on and fight for what God has given to them. They couldn't just sit back. They had to move and to be strong and courageous and move forward. And then chapter 2, we even saw the unlikely playmaker of Rahab and how God used her, even though we would have never chosen her in, in any of the lineup that we would have saw. Who would God choose in 10 people in the lineup? We would have never chosen her. She wouldn't have ever been in our lineup. And yet God used her to advance the people of god into the land against their enemies and so now we come to the part of this narrative and the part of this story moving forward about how they're going to get further into the land this military conquest of being able to reach to this promised land when they have enemies all around them and they have to conquer these enemies but before they can even conquer the enemies, they come to this river, and they come to this river that scholars would say that are at least 100 foot wide, but in, in the times when they, what they call the flood stage season, it could go as far as a mile long, because the waters are raging, and all that they had to go across, you have to think about a million people having to cross this river, and what was ahead for them, what was God up to? What did God want to do? Now, they saw this like a stop because they're about to approach into this place, and they had to lodge on the east side of this river. And so they had to stop and think, okay, God, what is on your mind? I can't figure you out now. You told us you're going to give us this land, but now you're putting all these obstacles in front of us. And now you're going to put this great obstacle. We heard about the Red Sea. We we heard about the stories. We knew. we, we We've been through it. But yet... God, what are you doing now? And sometimes what happens is we go through struggles in our lives thinking that was just the past. We're not going to go through struggles anymore. But God's always allowing for things to be in front of us to show us something, meaning he has something working ahead of us. But the question is, are we going to begin to either get behind him and let him lead us, or are we going to get ahead of God? And how often we can do that. And so here we're at this part of the narrative because as the Israelites are sitting there and saying, okay, we've got to cross this river, how are we going to do that? Well, they're reminded in chapter 1 that God was with Moses, he will be with Joshua. And as they move forward, we have to understand that with faith, God doesn't pull out when times get hard. God doesn't pull out when things seem to be over our head. God seems to be right there, but yet we forget. Because We think that when trials come and tribulations come, it seems as though God maybe had abandoned us or that we go into discouragement mode or we get tired and we worry and we fear and then we start to isolate ourselves. Similarly to what we're going through right now, we see a pandemic and we don't know what's ahead of us. We have no idea what's going to happen. Last year, this past year, we thought it was going to be over after two weeks. Little did we know it didn't happen. (laughs) Then we thought, okay, God, we'll we'll give you two months, Lord. I, I know you'll get us out of this. And it didn't happen. Then we're like, okay, Lord, maybe you just want to stretch our faith a little bit. We'll go to about four months, right? Lord, maybe by the summer and then out of the summer. Lord said, no, no, I'm not thinking about that either. And we're like, okay, Lord, maybe by fall, maybe we'll have Christmas and then we don't have to wear masks anymore. No, that didn't work out either. And now we're turning the corner in the new year and we're like, maybe Easter, Lord, maybe Easter, we'll, we'll get rid of these masks. And we have no idea. We have no idea what's in front of us. But do we need to know? Do we have to have it all figured out? How do we get ahead? How do we move forward? Because we can sometimes stand still and live in isolationism. We can stand still and be depressed. We can stand still and worry and fear fear, and then go into paranoia. Or we can decide to move forward. And so God has given us that formula. Even here, when you look in the book of Joshua in chapter 3, you see that. Because God is showing his people Because what I entitled the sermon today to be is that getting ahead by getting behind God. We can't get ahead of God. We can't try to figure out what he's thinking about. We have to at least think that, well, how do we get ahead? We have to think that just like the Israelites, we got to get behind God. And it's so important. Because just like, you know, anything else in our lives, once we try to get ahead, sometimes we make a mess of it. Sometimes we try to get ahead of our spouses. Sometimes we get ahead of our children. Sometimes we get ahead of our jobs and our bosses. We try to do better. We try to say, look, watch, watch, look at me. They're like, you messed things up. I I wasn't thinking about that. Now you made more of a mess. And so we have to think about how do we do this? How do we know whether we can be behind God rather than ahead of God? Well, I've just got a couple of things here that I hope we can work through in the passage. And so number one, we know we're behind God. Rather than ahead of him, when we follow God's commands rather than our dreams. We follow God's commands rather than our dreams. See, so often what happens is we create dreams in our own world. You know, we think about, you know, what's life really gonna look like? Do you recall the time? spouse when you first got married and you thought, man, it's just going to be incredible. I mean, my wife's going to be the, it's just going to be awesome. I'm so in love with her. I'm going to just be more in love with her than ever. We're not going to have any problems. Things are going to be great. I mean, I could see us now, our children, our house, our cars, all the vacations, everything's just going to be awesome. And the dream job that I'm going to have and all the money and all the different little things that I can have, I mean, I'm just going to have it all, right, until you get married. And the husband sees the hair in the sink, and it's all over the place. And then you got the hair all over the place, and then you figure it out, oh, my gosh, I didn't know there could be so much hair. And then all of a sudden, when you go in the bathroom, it's like if you have one sink, it's, you don't have a sink anymore. You got to go find another sink. The guy's kicked out because the wife has the whole sink. If you have double sinks, you're in good shape. So you sit there, and you're like, wow, all these different things that are happening that are different. And then wives, you never thought a man could be so disgusting with the hygiene, you know what I'm saying, with all the different things that they do. You thought, you know, my husband's going to be nice, he's going to be proper, he's not going to show any bad side of him, and then he just starts walking around and starts leaving things on the ground, and then uh, everything else kind of just starts, different smells come into the house that you never dreamed of, I don't know if you had a father. And so all of a sudden, it's like, wow. Whatever I dreamed of, this Disney world dream is not coming to fruition. (laughs) And so we get these kinds of dreams, our jobs, our future. What would it be like when I become a grandparent? Oh, we won't have any troubles. See, now, the Israelites here, God's given them the land. They're thinking, well, we went through hard times. It can't be much much more difficult than this. Here God is allowing for the trials to come. And how do we keep moving forward? And I think so often they forgot, and God had to remind them. That's why he had them to stay there at the Jordan, just coming on. Read with me to chapter 3, verse 1 and forward. It says this, Then Joshua rose early in the morning and set out for Shittim. And they came to the Jordan. And he and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. So they, they just stood there. They took a rest. And so often we want to move forward but, and just kind of just take it into our hands and just try to figure things out. God's saying, just rest for a minute. I want you to lodge here. And then at the end, verse 2, at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people. As soon as you see, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out for your place and follow it. So here's the command. The officers command the people of God, the people Israelites. But they got their command from Joshua who got their command from God. And so in the ranking, that's what was happening. And the command was simple. It's like, you know, here's the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God. And in the Ark of the Covenant, here it was laid out that they had to move forward, the very presence of God. But the command was simply for them to move forward. It was a simple command. And they followed. See, it's not the leader who makes that command. It's God who does it. And too often... Faith says that even if I don't know what's ahead of us, if I have no idea what God's going to do and I don't know how he's going to work this out and I don't know how he's going to get us to the other side of this Jordan, I must believe, I must obey. And even if I don't believe, I at least must obey. And I love what Warren Warnsby says when he says this. He says, it has been well that faith is not is not believing in spite of evidence, but obeying in spite of consequence. Guys, I need help. Faith is, let me say it again, it has been well said that faith is not believing in spite of evidence, but obeying in spite of consequence. I mean, this is the key because obedience is trusting God even if we don't get it. Because that's what the key is. So when you may see a consequence ahead of you, you want to know that you are called to believe and obey. And that's what it was for these Israelites. Just like, you know, but the beauty of God is that when God calls us to obey, there's a relationship. It's not as though it's a command and then you just have to obey it and there's no relationship. Can you imagine how it is? And you know, child or, or student or young adult, when your parent is telling you to do something, if there's no relationship, they say, you know, a relationship that, that is, is just with rules can lead to rebellion. It's without relationship. But with God, God gives us this relationship. And when he commands us, it's because he has something good for us that's ahead of us. He's setting the way, setting the path ahead of us. And he has something that's really good. But we don't need to know. I have to figure it out. I have to figure out the situation. We just need to know that God is good. He is faithful. And he will get us because he has what's best for us. The covenant, the covenant loyal love of God means that if he has what's best for us, it's because he knows what's best. Because he's God. And so when he allows us to be a part of this incredible plan, even though it may be difficult and there could be even some consequences, God is still going to get us through it. But the question is, are we going to obey the command? Are we going to obey him rather than our dreams? Because what happens is sometimes we get caught up in our dreams and we set God up and we say, you know, God, I don't like the way you're working out in my life. In fact, we try to counsel God. You know, God, I had all these dreams and you kind of broke them, Lord, so I need you to kind of join me in my dreams. And when you join me in my dreams, I need you to do A and B and C and D. And by the way, I'm going to add in E, F, and G because you're God and you're supposed to do it, right, God? You could do it. So here's my dreams, so do it, Lord. See, we set up all of our dreams and we expect for God to do it. And when he doesn't, because he doesn't work that way, We start to fall into a trap because then we think that our dreams should be God's dreams. And then we even say, well, you know, I have some dreams. Maybe they are God's dreams. But yet God has a set of dreams for us ahead of us, way ahead, way past the Jordan on the other side. But in in order for us to have his dreams, we just have to believe him and obey his commands and honor him. And that's what he's calling us to do. Yes, difficult, most difficult, but God's calling us to do that. But have you ever felt that way? You're like, Lord, wait a minute. If I have to follow you, what's in it for me? I mean, what are you expecting from me? Because I need something, Lord. I need something for my flesh. I need to know things are going to go well. Because if I have to follow you and your commands, then I got to believe you're going to at least fulfill some of my dream. A little bit of my dream, I got to have some... So we start to go into a contract mode with God. We start saying, okay, Lord, here are the stipulations. I'll sign it so long as you give me A, B, and C. I'll forget the D, E, F, G, H, A, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. But as long as you give me the A, B, C, I'll be happy. And God's like, I really don't work that way, son. Because what happens is when he doesn't work that way because he doesn't, then I start to feel left out and abandoned. And I start to go into an isolated place. Because he doesn't fulfill my dreams. And then I start to draw from my own well, because I'm trying to figure it out. And then I start trying to counsel God saying, hey, God, any chance you can still throw an ABC? I want to negotiate with you a little bit. God's like, no chance. And then I start to go alone. And then I go into what I call complaining mode, (laughs) because I feel like I need to complain. I have to get it out. That's part of my flesh. It's kind of like what the Israelites did when they were in the 40 years of the wilderness. They didn't like what God was doing, They started falling into the flesh. They started complaining. And then they let their complaints be known to God. And in Numbers 11, God was saying, "Your complaining to me is like evil in my ear. Because you're caught up in your dreams. But you're not willing to just obey my commands. So God's saying, you want to get ahead, you got to get behind me. You can't make steps ahead of me. Because if you try to get steps ahead of me, you're going to miss out on what I have ahead of you. I have a dream. I have a blessing for you. You just need to obey my command. I know it hurts. It doesn't feel good. But I have something for you. You need to trust me. Because this is what happens. Complaining moves us backwards, not forward. Too often we get caught. And see, complaining feels good. Just like the dream, it feels good. As the people of God, today in the church, we're supposed to be getting behind God so that he can move us ahead. And when he moves us ahead in this world of this pandemic, in this uncertain time, how is it that we can make a difference? How is it that we can stand out outside of any other person is if we get behind God and not ahead of God. Because too often we're trying to figure it out. God's saying, no, don't do that the egyptians tried or the israelites tried to do that by going back to egypt and it didn't work number 2 we have to understand that we are behind god rather than ahead of him when we follow his presence and not our prerogative follow his presence and not our prerogative look with me to verse 4 in chapter 3 and it says this yet there should be a distance between you and it. What is he referring to? Joshua's referring to the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is the presence of God. And about 2,000 cubics in length, which is 3,000 feet, that's about 10 football fields. Yes, I'm going to throw football in it again. There's three, three it's, it's this idea of 10 football fields farther ahead of us. So God and his presence with the priests are way ahead. Can you imagine? I mean, I could barely see 100 yards, I would let alone just say 50 yards, but to see God 3,000 feet which is 10 football fields, that blows me away to think that God is that far ahead of me. But yet he is because he's setting up the road for you and I. He wants to set up the blessing for you and I. And he's saying, listen, son or daughter, all I need you to do is just surrender, be in my presence, follow me, let me lead you. Let me be the God who will be with you and lead you. Just because you're going through a trial and a tribulation and all that you're going through, realize that I haven't left you. I haven't abandoned you. I haven't said, okay, I'm out. It's too hard. I'm out of here. I can't handle this anymore. God doesn't work that way. God is always present, even in the midst of our most difficult time. And I can imagine, I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there. I've been there almost to a point where I'm like, wow, Lord, I don't know if I can keep going. God's like, why? Did you think I stopped loving you? Did you think I stopped my promises? Do you think I'm going to give up on you? I can't give up on you because I can't give up on myself. I'm God. God can't even give up on himself if he tried. And God can't be any less than God than he is because he's perfect. And he's holy and he's just and he's true and he will always stand to his promises. And if God brings us and allows us to go through a difficult time, it's because I think he's trying to get a hold of us. I think this pandemic has something we should learn. We should learn that God wants our attention to be in his presence. He, we need to be in his presence. We can't get ahead unless we get behind God, and we must be in his presence. This wasn't uncommon for God in the Old Testament. Read with me. In Exodus 13, 21 and 22, And the Lord went before them by day in the pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in the pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from being before the people. I mean, this was a time of the 40 years of wilderness when it was difficult. When they decided to go wayward, God said, I'm still with you. Even in our darkness, even when we fall away from God, God's saying, I'm still committed to you. Because he's committed to himself. The one thing you need to hold on to when you're going through difficult times is theology. you got to hold on to Christology and theology. you got to hold on to that. Because when you do, you know that when you see the promises of God, you know God will never be less than what he says he's going to be. And that's what holds us and keeps us strong is a constant. He's immutable. He'll never change. And his constant will keep us moving forward. You know what changes? The seasons. We get older. We get grayer. We get a little bit heavier. We wish we can get a little lighter. We wish we can go on the diet and lose weight. And we wish we can gain more weight. I don't know who needs to gain weight because I sure love to give you some of my weight. But here's the thing. We got to move forward. We got to move forward. Things God will never change. And he goes on forward. He says this. And Numbers, same thing. So they set out from the mounts of the Lord three days' journey, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them three days' journey to seek out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was over them by day whenever they set out from the camp. This is faith. This is faith to trust God through the most difficult times in our lives. You know, we're going to see what what Joshua will say when you say, this we know for sure. We may not know what's ahead of us, but we know for sure that the Lord keeps his promises. And if he we don't know, but that's faith. Hebrews 11, 1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the, the convictions of things not seen. We may not see it, but our evidence is quite clear. God and faith is trusting in God. Elohim Yahweh Adonai Shama he's always there Goel he's my redeemer Tishkanu, he is my righteousness and Kadesh he is my holiness he's my sanctification that's what we have to hold on to even Hebrews 11:6 says this and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God in his presence must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him See, God is desiring for us to grow closer to him. And I love the saying, it says this, faith is not understanding the situation before we believe. That's not faith. Faith is believing God even when the situation doesn't make sense. And right now, this doesn't make sense. I got to be honest with you. It's driving me batty. I mean, I'm sitting here trying to figure this out every day. If you are a fly on the wall when Pastor Dennis and I would be talking, that's all we talk about. We we talk in circles over and over and over. Finally, we just keep saying, we got to trust the Lord. We got to trust the Lord. We got to trust the Lord. We just go on these circular discussions because we try to see if there's a way to get things moving again. And God's saying, not yet. I have a plan. See, I'm ahead of you 3,000 feet. I'm ahead of you setting up the road and the path. I'm covering up all the potholes. I'm setting that pavement, and I'm setting it so that you can run over them smoothly. Sometimes we think that things are tough, but can you imagine without God? Before Jesus, I don't know where I was. I can't even remember. It was 32 years ago, but I was living without Jesus, and I can't imagine. It was so difficult. But now in Christ, all the difficulty that I go through, I don't even, I don't even sense it sometimes because I know God's covering it. He's protecting us. He's setting the road ahead of us. He's 3,000 feet ahead of me, setting it all up. And he's got something planned for me that I have no idea do I need to know. The Bible tells me to just focus on him and faith. Number three, we're behind God rather than ahead of him. When we follow God's leader rather than the crowd. God's leader rather than the crowd. I think it's important for us to see here that the journey is ahead of us, but God has placed a leader, and Joshua was that leader. And look here in verses five through seven. This is important to to look at what Joshua was doing here and how he was talking. It says this, and Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So what did they do? They trusted. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And then the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Let me just go back here a second and say this. Now Joshua spoke first to the people, then to the priests, and then the Lord spoke to him. See, it's not about Joshua. See, Joshua's not doing the work. It's God who's doing the work through Joshua. See, Joshua's a leader who gets behind God, and then God says, you know, Joshua, in order for you to get ahead with the millions of people behind you, you need to know that you got to get behind me. And you got to surrender to me. And Joshua does. He's surrendering before God, and he's making these commands because he believes, because he's seen God's hand work with Moses. He was there, and Moses mentored him, and he went through all of that training, and he saw what God did already, and he knew that God was taking them through a time. And sometimes that's what it takes when we go through the past. We see God's hand, and we have to see that God is going to take us again through a trying time, but something that where we can grow. And here God is using this leader, and he's moving them forward. But here's the thing. They can't move forward until they stop and realize that they have to consecrate themselves. That they have to stop and get behind God. They can't get ahead of God, because when they get ahead of God, they're looking to the crowd. They're looking to what's popular. They're looking to what everyone else is saying. But consecrating themselves means to be sanctified, to be holy, to be sacred. See, in that, in the Hiphel tense in the Hebrew, it's an imperative there, in the voice imperative, and it says the individuals need to separate him or herself from the things that are unholy. See, the Israelites were commanded by God to prepare themselves for the amazing miracle that he was about to perform, God himself. And it was an intense and meticulous ritual involving Thorough ceremonial washings and abstaining from sexual activity, even saying, Husbands and wives, stay away from each other. Because we need you to focus on God. This was not uncommon. In fact, God did this when they were going to, when Moses was climbing up the Mount Sinai. He told the people down below, Consecrate yourselves, for I'm about to do a miracle. See, how important is this for the New Testament church today, the believer? Have we lost the significance? of being cleansed before God? Is it possible that we're not seeing God's amazing work in our lives because we fail to consecrate ourselves, obey and surrender to our present activities that take us away from God rather than drawing us closer to God? See, leaders need to be challenging God's people to desire holiness, and we need to listen because ultimately we are obeying God, not man. The Israelites supported Joshua's leadership. But they ultimately were obeying God and honoring Him. That's what helped them move forward. That's what helped them to go. And it's no different today. And the priests were doing their part, they were carrying the presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant, and they marched before the people. And they needed to get their feet wet, they needed to go ahead of the people. See, leaders are supposed to go ahead of the people. They're supposed to get their feet wet. They're supposed to go ahead and be a part of setting up that pavement, that plan, that way. But they have to be ahead of them. We as parents do the same for our children. We do that in our jobs. We do that as the people of God. But we need the people not to follow the crowd, but to follow God's leader. And I love what, you know, the, the, the chapter that was, was laid out here in Joshua 1.16, it says this, and they answered Joshua, the people, all that you have commanded us, we will do. These are the people. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we've obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. I love that. It's like, yo, man, I got your back. Anybody hurt you, I got your back. Don't you worry, I got your back. Meaning what the people are saying, I'll stand in front of you, Joshua. I Don't let them touch you. I just love that. That's a bodyguard. I love it because they're saying, I'm with you. I'm going to stand and protect you. Only be strong and courageous. Because God gave you the land, now you gotta be strong and courageous. See, Joshua knew that what was he was called, that he was a follower before he was a leader. Joshua knew that. And he was called to be that follower. See, so we know when leaders are behind God because leaders need to follow before they lead. We know when a leader is ahead of God, when he doesn't follow well. See, Joshua learned how to follow, learning from Moses. And even as a leader, he still needs to follow God. Each of us are called leaders in our homes, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods. Wherever you go, as a child of God, you're a Christian, you bear the name of Christian, you are a leader. And what a great opportunity for us in the, the unprecedented time that we're, we're leaving and, and living in our lives. And what do we do? We have to lead. How do we lead? By being different. By allowing people to see that we're different, that we react differently, that we don't let worry and fear consume us, but allow God to do a work in us and to use us to encourage them, to build them up, to engage with them, to give them hope, to evangelize, to share Christ with them. Those are the opportunities that we have leaders we need to follow not the crowd follow God so then people will follow us our children follow us we hope people at work if you're over other people I hope they're following you but as they follow they're truly I pray that in Christian ministry I have the confidence as the pastor of the church that the staff is following God before they would ever follow me I often say to them thank you for your dedication to God because they're following God I'm just an instrument And they know they're an instrument too. We're all instruments for the kingdom of God. And we gotta be used of God and we hope that people will be following. That's the beauty of God. So no matter what, no matter what is ahead of us, when God is in front of us, he makes the impossible to become possible. He does, but we just got to get behind him and not ahead of him. And that's what Joshua knew. He saw this. Joshua saw this. Look with me. Just, let's just read this together for just a minute. It says this, it says, verses 8 through 13. As for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan. Now, this is in the flood stage. So the waters are Raging. I can guarantee you the priests were a little nervous. They didn't know what was going before them. They were commanded of God. And I don't know about you, but uh, how many of you are afraid of water? I know sometimes I could be afraid of water. I have stories about where I almost drowned uh, at least once in my life. And so um, water is something that sometimes I'm afraid of. If you're a fish and you like to go into water, that's great. Good for you. But not for me. I'm, uh, I can't even flow. So here's the thing. I can't even tread water. So here's, here's the thing. Verse 9, Joshua said to the people of Israel, come in here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will not fail to drive out before you. All the struggles, all the difficulties, all the inadequacies, all the trials and tribulations of your lives, all the things that you feel like you're just, you're fearing right now, the fear to fail, the worrying that consumes you to where you're trying to figure out all the outcomes of your lives right now, in your life, and the children. You're trying to figure out everything about your children, what's going to happen, how it's all going to work out, who they're going to marry, how many children are they going to have, what's going to happen, where are they going to live? And God is saying this. I am your living God. I'm here. I'm not pulling out on you. Whatever your struggle is, whatever your worry is, whatever your fear is, I'm not pulling out. I'm living. I'm not dead. I'm here, and I will be with you. I was with you in the Old Testament, or he was with them in the Old Testament. I'm with you now. I was there in the Old Testament. I'm going to continue to be with you in your life right now, in the present, and God will continue to be with each of us because he promises he's a living God. What we need in the church today is living faith. What we need is for people to, to spend time in the presence of God. What we need is for God's people to get behind God's appointed leader and move forward. But we have to get behind so we can move forward. All the complaining, all the concern, all the doubt, all the fear, all the worry, is not going to get us there. We have to decide. And it doesn't matter because God will, without fail, will drive out before you. All the Canaanites, all the Hittites, all the Hivites, the Parasites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites, and the Brunoites—I mean, all of them. I mean, every one of them. All the ites. Any of your struggles—it's an it. Just put it at the end, because that's what that struggles are saying. That all these peoples, all your enemies—I'm not going to fail. I'm the Living God. I'm not pulling out on you. I have a plan. I'm ahead of you three thousand feet, and I'm going to set and set the road before you. You just got to get behind me trust me obey me believe me don't get caught up in your dreams don't get caught up in your prerogatives don't get caught up in everything that's entitled just moving forward in my presence that's what it's going to take and in verse 11 he says behold the ark of the covenant the lord of all the earth is passing over before you in the jordan and now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. We'll see that in the next chapter. And when the soles of the feet of the priests, bearing the ark of the covenant, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. And the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from the flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. He went 15, 20 miles north and stopped the waters. God set it up on dry ground to get millions of people to go over. If he had not done that, the enemies would have seen them trying to get through the river. They wouldn't have even be able to get on the other side. But here was God setting it up. And here they were able to get over, but he allowed the priest to go before them 3,000 feet to set it up. But what did it take? It took for them to just put their foot in and get it wet. What's it going to take for us? Where's that step for us? Where's that step for us? I mean, God promised it even in Joshua 1.3. He promised it very clearly. He says that the soles of your feet will touch us. Every place that the sole of your foot would tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses. So God is promising us all we have to do is make that step. Just take a step. What is it that you and I are struggling with? It's that one step of obedience. It's that one step, and it could be this. I believe it's this, that one step towards being in his presence again. There's never been a time than now for us to be in the presence of God. There's never been a time like now for us to get our prayer on. There's never been a time when we have to lean into God. Because that's what it means to get behind him. It means that we need his presence in our lives to move forward. We can't assume that we can get ahead of God and then assume that we know what God's doing. We have no idea. We have no clue. But God is saying, just rest in my presence. That's why in verse 8, he just said, just stand still in the Jordan because I'm going to do the work. That's what God's saying. Joshua got it as the leader. He knew it was God that was going to do the work He saw it with the Red Sea. He knew it was coming again And yet the people of God all they had to do the priests knew God said just put your foot in That's exciting What will it take if we could just step Just take that step Can you imagine what the church would look like if we would just take the step of obedience If we would just trust God in his presence, if we would just spend time with him when the average Christian is spending three to five minutes of prayer and we expect God to do great things, amazing things, how can we if we're not spending time in his presence? That's one of the most important initiatives we're having this year. We're going back to prayer, getting in the presence of God, not just for five minutes, not just for 10 minutes, but crying out to God, saying, God, lead us. Move us forward, Lord. We need to get behind you so we can get ahead. God's calling each one of us. What does that look like? How are we going to do that? My prayer is that as the church, we will finally decide to be the church. See, listen, church has changed, it's already changed. The way we do church and how we're going to do church, this isn't going to happen overnight. We're not just going to switch to a mask society. If each of us are going to wonder when is the mask going to go away, stop thinking about it because it's not going to happen anytime soon. But you know what we need to be focusing on? To be in his presence. We need to be praying. The more the energy we work, worry about what's it going to look like, we spend less time spending in God's presence. So I want to encourage you today. What does that look like for you and me? spend time in God's presence we need to take that step that step of faith let's pray father thank you for reminding us that we need to get behind you in order to get ahead help us not to get ahead of you help us to stop getting caught up in ourselves and our worry and our dreams and our prerogatives and the crowd and help us to focus on your presence Help us to focus on obeying your commands. Help us to follow the leader. I pray that today you would encourage our hearts to look to you. And Lord, we're excited because as we keep moving forward as your people, even here at Grace Church, you've even allowed us to see more people come to this church, more people join the church, more people say, I want to be a part of what God's doing at Grace Church Waldorf. And, Lord, we've had some baptisms, which has been so exciting to see, because that is a life changed. That is a life that says, I have trusted in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, in just a short minute, shortly, we're going to see another baptism, and this person will also join the church. And we're just excited. So, Lord, would you lead us? and Would you help us to be excited about what you're doing today? In Jesus' name.